Good relationships can be absolutely life-giving, but sometimes uh, relationships seem to be really exhausting. Uh, Good relationships can be complicated at times, and yet good relationships are really the very things that really hold our lives together in some ways. And I've also discovered that when it comes to having good relationships, there are some relationships you get to choose, right? You get to kind of choose your friend and choose your spouse, but then there's other relationships you don't get to choose, you know, your family and your relatives. But all these relationships that we have in our life, they, are, they have a profound impact in our lives, how we live our lives, and perhaps most importantly, the direction of our lives. The relationships that we gather around us have a profound impact upon where we're going in our lives. As a matter of fact, I love the scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, that says that two are better than one because they can help each other succeed. Everybody say they can help each other. They can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But someone, but someone who falls alone, everyone say alone. Someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Friends, this scripture reminds us that the people that we associate with, our friendships, our relationships have an incredible impact, a profound impact on the outcome of our lives. We try to say that around here all the time. We try to remind you with phrases like, hey, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Or we say things like, you know, you are actually like the average of your five closest friendships. Just look around you, your five closest friendships, and you're kind of the average of that. I like to say hashtag circles are better than rows and uh, try to get people into some life-giving small groups. But it's all with this idea that our relationships truly matter. Our relationships have a profound impact in the direction of our life. And I think that for most of us, we really do want to experience good, healthy relationships. We want deep relationships. We want meaningful relationships. But what we experience at times, it seems like, is really just a lot of drama. And, uh, you know, I've realized through the years that while it is impossible to change people, um, that we really shouldn't be trying to change people. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you've realized this or not, but you actually cannot change people. Some of you have tried and experienced the frustration. You know, in the early months of my marriage, when I married Cindy, and for those of you who know Cindy, she's an incredible lady, you know, I had this conceived idea of what marriage should be like and what a wife should be like. And I remember trying to impose those ideas upon Cindy's life and trying to get her to go along with how I think she ought to act as a wife. And it put an incredible amount of frustration in our lives and, and just trying to change her. But, but somewhere along the way, by the grace of God, I realized I've got to stop doing that. And I've got to let Cindy be the woman that God created her to be. I've got to try to stop changing her. And when I took that pressure off of her, Can I tell you, it changed the dynamics of our relationship. And so even though you can't change people, you can change the dynamics of a relationship. Uh, Because here's the thing. Because even though you can't change others, you can change you. And when you change you, you absolutely change the relationships. And what I've discovered is that good relationships, if we're talking about good relationships, they are really God relationships. Somebody say God relationships. 
They are God relationships. And did you realize that even as we understand God who has revealed himself to us, that he has revealed himself to us as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He literally exists in the perfect relationship. And if we will just let his perfect relationship impact our relationships, our good relationships can become God relationships. But it all starts with you. It all starts with you. And so let me give you a couple of thoughts here about how if you will change you, it will impact and bring the touch of God into your relationships. Number one, I want to just challenge you to get right with God. Get right with God. Come on, everybody look at your neighbor and say, get right with God. Get right with God. You know, before I came to faith in Christ, um, I was not what I would have considered a horrible person. You know, you can just ask me, hey, are you a horrible person? No. I'm not, I'm not a horrible person. But here's the thing. Even though I wouldn't have considered myself a horrible person, it just seemed like because of stuff going on in my heart and, and things that every relationship that I was involved in literally was a strained, difficult relationship. And I mean, I'm, even with like the relationship with my mother, and for those of you that have met her a few weeks ago and, and you got a hug from her, you're like, I still have some of you going, hey, I need another hug from your mom. When's she coming back? You know, she is this amazing person. But because of stuff in my life, and because I was trying to be my own Lord and be my own God, you know, I was just, it, it caused friction in that relationship. Then it, even into friendships, as I'm trying to pull out of friendship, things to kind of fix me and, and, and then, you know, dating relationships. And, and I just mentioned to you how even into my marriage that when you are trying to do relationships without the help of God, those relationships are going to struggle. And so you've got to get right with God. How do you do that? Well, John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus tells us how to get right with God. He tells us, I tell you the truth, that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't experience the, the peace of the kingdom, the, the life of the kingdom, the fruit of the kingdom, unless you are born again. And, and I want you to notice here that Jesus in this passage of Scripture, when he's speaking, he's not talking to somebody that's, you know, a pagan. He's not talking to somebody that's never been to church. He is talking to a very religious person who has been a part of religious settings all his life. And he wanted to say, hey, listen, friends, it's not about being religious or even going to religious places like a church service. It's about having an experience with God where you are born again. And when you come into this right relationship with God by putting your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and, and you have an experience, a spiritual experience where you are born again. And can I just mention right here at this point that this being born again experience, putting your faith in God, it's not an intellectual exercise where you just acknowledge that God exists. Friend, listen, I, I know there's a lot of us that say, well, I'm not an atheist. You know, I'm not, I'm not somebody that says there is no God. I believe in God, but I just don't know about Jesus or I just don't know about the Bible. Listen, Jesus said, if you want to experience life, if you want to experience uh, what it really means to be human and to live the life you were created to live, you must be born again. And when you allow God to do a miracle of salvation in your heart and your life, it will impact every relationship around you. If I can say it this way, uh, you know, that, that you will continue to struggle with your horizontal relationships with others until you get your vertical relationship right with God. Amen. Amen. But when... 
But when you get your horizontal relationship with God right, then the other relationships are going to start to come into alignment as you allow God to do a work in your life and, and deal with some of the frustration and the friction with the people around you. The second thing that I want you to, to see that we need to do when it comes to us uh, changing ourselves so that it impacts our, our relationships is to allow God to touch your soul with healing. To allow God to touch your soul with healing. The first thing you need to do is you need to be born again. You need to become a Christ follower where you are putting your trust in Jesus. You are following Jesus with your heart and your soul. But then, even as a born again follower, there are still issues from our lives of, in, in the past that will still impact us if we don't allow God to heal them. So there I was. I was born again. I came to faith in Christ. But the truth is, because of my childhood and the things in my past, there were still a lot of issues that I needed to deal with. There was still healing that I needed for my life. I, I was an angry young man. And I needed to deal with those anger issues. I was an insecure person. I was a lustful person. I was a person that was just always trying to uh, manipulate and control circumstances. And, and why was that? that? That impacted every important relationship in my life because I hadn't allowed God to do his healing work in my life yet. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 40, it says it this way. It says, As the sun went down that evening... People throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. And no matter what their diseases were, would somebody say with me, no matter what? No matter what, no matter what their issue was, no matter what was holding them back, no matter what issue of healing they needed in their lives, the touch of his hand healed everyone. The touch of his hand healed everyone. My friends, can I tell you something? That we live in a broken world. And Jesus invites us to become Christ followers, to follow him into his kingdom, and to follow him wherever he leads, and to trust his commands, and to trust his words, that what he said in his word is true. But once we get to this point where we are born again, we then need to become people that invite God to do a healing work in our lives, healing the brokenness in us, healing the, the sin in us, healing the hurts and the injuries in us so that we can become whole. And when you allow the healing touch of God to begin to heal what is broken in your soul, then all of a sudden you're not putting demands on relationships around you. You are beginning to be able to be in harmony with people and walk in peace. And when you allow God to meet your most important needs, you will no longer put pressure on other people to meet those needs for you. Let me put it this way. Because the thing is that when we walk around broken, we start expecting from other people uh, things to make us feel whole. And so we go to our friendships and we want them to like us and we want them to be with us. And we go to our spouse and we want them to be our rock and we want them to be our healer and we want them to complete us. Friends, your friends, your spouse, they can't give you what your soul needs. But Jesus can. Jesus can. And when you allow the hand of Jesus to touch your soul and heal those parts, you can take the pressure off of those relationships. And you can just begin to enjoy those friendships. You can enjoy your children. You can enjoy your spouse. You can enjoy the relationship with your parents when you let healing touch your soul. 
And then number three, when it comes to changing ourselves, when it comes to changing ourselves so that we can positively impact our relationships, you need to let your selfishness be crucified with Christ. And I know I put in the notes, let your selfishness be crucified with Christ, but really that ought to read, let my selfishness be crucified with Christ. Because I don't know about you, but I know me. And I know without the grace of God, I can be extraordinarily selfish. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Listen, I'm telling you that that selfishness may be one of the biggest problems for relationships out of all the issues that can come up. That when we enter into a relationship and we have not let our selfishness die with Christ, then, then we make it all about us. We, we try to make the conversations about us. We try to make the decisions about us. We try to make the time about us and the money issues about us. And we try to make it all about me, 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 my wants, my needs, what I have to have. And friends, that impacts negatively every relationship around you. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says it this way. My old life has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Friends, we have got to let selfishness die with Christ. Selfishness is surely the number one enemy of good relationships. Hey, gentlemen, uh, married men, husbands like me, listen. If you will let selfishness die in your life, I'm just telling you, it'll help and strengthen your marriage so much. Ladies, mothers, can I just tell you, if you will let selfishness die with Christ in your lives, it will strengthen your marriage. It'll strengthen your home so much so. Because when selfishness dies, relationships thrive. When selfishness dies, relationships thrive. It all starts with you. It all starts with you. You can't change people, but you can change the relationship if you will allow the Spirit of God to bring you into a born-again experience. If you'll let the Spirit of God to touch your soul and bring healing from the hand of Jesus. And if you will crucify your flesh and crucify that selfishness with Christ, it will transform the relationship. But then it needs to move out from what God is doing in you, and it needs to begin to engage those around you. And the way you engage those around you is number four, you need to serve the people that God has placed within the circle of your influence. You need to serve the people that God has placed within your circle of influence. My spiritual father is a man named uh, Pastor Don Logan, and he's a uh, wonderful, godly man, senior retired minister now. And, um, and, you know, and he's been in kind of this senior phase of his life where he's not quite able to be as active as before. And he and his beautiful wife are, you know, kind of working through some uh, health issues and life issues. And, and a couple of years ago, I was just calling to check in on them and see how he was doing, how it was going. And, and he said, yeah, it's true, you know, in some ways we're not as active as we'd like to be. And in some ways, you know, uh, the physical things are a challenge in some ways that we didn't have to deal with before. He said, but you know what? But we're happy and Jesus is helping us. And, and I'm just trying to figure out some new ways that I can serve my wife. And I thought to myself, Lord Jesus, that's how I want to finish my race. I don't want to become one of those old, angry, bitter old men. I don't want to want to be one of these self-centered people that think that the world is against them. I want to just be happy in Jesus and try to figure out new ways to serve my wife and the people in my life. Can I tell you, friends? 
can I tell you, friends, we need to be people who serve. We need to follow the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who in Mark chapter 10, verse 45 said, and these are the words of Jesus. He said, for even the Son of Man, referring to himself, for even the Son of Man came not to be served. Oh, hey, by the way, Jesus is God. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. If anyone should be served, it should be Jesus. But what did Jesus say? He said that even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And you know what I noticed about Jesus when you read about his life, when you read about his interactions with people, that people loved to be around Jesus. And, and not just the church folks, really. Actually, quite honestly, some of the religious folks were a little bit annoyed by Jesus. But people that, that the religious folks would have called outsiders, you know, the people that weren't good church people, the people that were kind of poor spiritually, those people, they loved Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus would serve them. He was a servant leader. And can I tell you that you will never have better relationships with people than when you serve them. You will never have a better relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your friends, with your employer, with your employees. You will never have a better relationship with people than when you serve them. Because when you serve them, you are never more like Jesus. And so it starts with you. It starts with you. Be born again. Let Jesus bring healing into your soul. Let selfishness die in your life. Begin to serve people around you. And then number five, finally, it has to move out from your circle into those around you. And I want to challenge you to engage the people that are outside of your comfort zone. So often when we think about relationships, we kind of think about our close family relationships and our close friends. But listen, as Christ followers, as followers of Jesus, we have a higher commandment. In Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31, when a religious leader asked Jesus, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Jesus answered this way, and he said, the foremost is, and he's talking about the foremost commandment. He says, the foremost commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And then he added, and he said, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then he said this, there is no other commandment greater than these. And I've been, I've been wrestling with this for the past six, eight months. And I've been, I've been wanting to love God with all my heart. And I've been wanting to figure out what does it mean to love my neighbor as myself. And so I've been praying about it and I've been studying and I've been trying to let the Holy Spirit speak to me. And what I've discovered is that if you will study the teachings of Jesus, you'll discover that this person that Jesus calls a neighbor is actually someone that you're not that comfortable with. Think about the parable of the Good Samaritan. When when this person who was this Samaritan person showed up on the scene and was hurting, and in, or when the person who was in the ditch, it wasn't the religious leader that went to help. And it wasn't, this, uh, it wasn't the person that they thought would surely be the spiritual leader that would go and help them. But it ended up being a Samaritan, somebody that they were not really that comfortable with. Let me, let me try to put it into our language. What Jesus is literally saying is that your neighbor is actually somebody that in your normal course of life that you might ordinarily just go out of your way to avoid. Actually, that the person that Jesus says that you should love, your neighbor as yourself, is somebody that doesn't think like you. Maybe they don't think about God like you think about God. Maybe they don't think about politics the way you think about politics. Maybe for some crazy reason, they don't cheer for the saints. I don't know. But for whatever reason, they're not somebody that you're normally associating yourself with. And Jesus says, and that's the person 
that I want you to reach out to. And so this morning, I just want to give you a thought that a person, as a person who has been made whole by Jesus, that we need to, we need to make sure that there's always room in our circle for one more. We need to make sure that there's always room in our circle, that we will go out and bring those who maybe are different from us and think differently from us and have different points of view from us and love them into our circles. Listen, friends, do you have room for one more person in your circle? Because Jesus said, it's, it's the most important. There is no other commandment more important than these. My friends, relationships surely are complex and they can be messy at times but they are also a source of life. They are a source of life and a source of good life. God exists in the perfect relationship of Trinity. And if we want to have deep, meaningful relationships, then, we've need, then we need to get into God's circle. And, and when we let God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit touch our lives with his perfect relationship, it will positively impact every other relationship in our lives.